Our lives aren't like they used to be. They're busier. Early morning Zooms, grabbing coffee to make that in-office meeting, getting to your kid's soccer game on time. Life is different, and so is advertising. To reach any audience, you need your message out there in all media, broadcast to streaming, on screens, and right to the ears of your customers. And that's what we do at Odyssey. Let's build a media campaign that targets the customers you know and want to reach more of. Right here in our community. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Bubba Ventrone is making his return to Cleveland, former Browns special teams player from 2009 to 2012. And you know what? Dusty, it just so happens. We got one of his former teammates now. We had him all football season long. He joins us now on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Former Browns offensive lineman Jason Pinkston. Pink, welcome back, buddy. What's going on, guys? Well, uh, happy Bubba Ventrone week. I do want to know, um, what was Bubba Ventrone like as a teammate back in the uh, late aughts and early teens? He was absolutely awesome. What a, Just a phenomenal guy, phenomenal teammate. Um, always did all the extra stuff. You know, he's always a hard worker. Did everything you need. He is a coach's player, and he's just a phenomenal guy. You know, when you played with Bubba, obviously he was a really good special teams guy, but did you ever have the sense that he'd be a, a coach uh, one day or even a – I mean, not just a coach, but a, a potential coordinator slash maybe head coach one day? You know what? I, I knew that he would be a coach, but, you know, I, I didn't think he'd be like a coordinator or head coach. But, you know, as he's went on and, you know, he's been in New England and now Indianapolis and now returning to Cleveland, I mean, the sky's the limit for him. You couldn't ask for a better person to lead your team in special teams. I mean, he, he, he knows everything about it. He was a phenomenal special, special teams guy. Um, he, I mean, he's, he's just a hard worker. And, you know, I, I know his brother. I know his family. From the, they're from the Pittsburgh area. Mm-hmm. I went to college with his brother, Ross, before he transferred to Villanova. All-around great guy and a great hire for the Browns. I mean, I think the most important thing here is since you're former teammates, you know the family – are you going to help feed us inside access news, you know, reports, innuendos from Berea, from the Ventrone family, uh, now that you know, you're know you kind of a part of the show here with, with Dusty and I? If, if I can gain any kind of insider knowledge <laughs> or, or scoop, we will pass it along through text message. I just need you to help us be like the, the Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport of Brown Special Teams News. We can do that. We can absolutely do that. But no other useful knowledge do I want to come out of it. Um, so let's get to just your overall feeling. Do, when when you look at the staff that to this point that that Stefanski has assembled, really it's been uh, you know the two coordinators, Jim Schwartz and, and Bubba Ventrone, and then uh, Ben Bloom is going from running coordinator to uh, the defensive line. Do you, does does it make you feel better about the situation? that Kevin Stefanski is trying to work himself out of going into year four? You know, it's good. He's passing off a little bit more of the responsibilities to to these coaches that are very knowledgeable um, at these positions. And and they've been around the NFL. They understand the game. And it takes that little bit of pressure off him, of you know, trying to maintain and oversee everything at all times, you know, kind of like a micromanager. But, you know, he still is the head coach, and he still has a, a huge role to fill for our team. And expect, expectations are going to be high. Um, I'm really excited to see them, what they do more so this offseason with the draft 
and free agency coming up. That, that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, definitely he has a, a nice staff he's put together. And, um, you know, I'm looking for big things to come from us. When you look at these coaches that they've hired, Jim Schwartz and, and obviously now Bubba Ventrone, you think there's any chance that when you look at these guys, um, could, could they be a potential head coach in waiting with Cleveland if Stefanski doesn't get it done next year? You know, I, I always say I, I hate to talk about guys losing their jobs and things like that. But, I mean, obviously on every staff around the NFL, there are guys ready and waiting to step up, you know, for a potential interim head coach position or, you know, they're, they're interviewing and they're being evaluated to see how they do potentially to be a head coach. That's just the NFL, you know, on every staff. There's, there's, there's plenty of people and, and coaches that could be head coaches on the staff. And, and every day is an audition, just like for the players. You know, every, you're auditioning for all 32 teams every day and every week on end. And so, I mean, on, on our staff, there are some capable guys that could step up and, and, and be a hire. Obviously, I don't want to see that. I want to see uh, Coach Stefanski succeed. I think he's a great guy and he's a great coach. Um, you know, I, I'm really – I feel like this is a huge – year for him, um, you know, with his standing with the team and, and, and with the front office. I think this is a huge year for him, and I, and I, I believe that he has to make a statement. Um, this team has to be successful in order for him to keep his job. Jason Pinkston, former Browns offensive lineman on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. We, we got a lot of Bubba Ventrone talk here. I do – I do want to talk with you now that, you know, the report is the the Browns are pretty much guaranteed to pick up the the fifth year option on Jedrick Wills. And I wanted so I know we've talked with you about Jed, about, you know, and and you know, you've mentioned he had some struggles this year. But like when we talked about him the other day, you know, like I think he's been acceptable. That's how I would qualify his play. Not great, but not the worst left tackle I've ever watched play either. His name is Desmond Harrison, and he only lasted eight games here in Cleveland. So when we talked, I had fans saying that Jed was the worst left tackle they had ever seen. I, I know this is a little tougher because we kind of remember the recent part. If, if I asked you to qualify all three years of Jedrick Wills, what word, term, what, what, what's your kind of line of thinking on what he's been his first three years in the NFL? You, you know, I, I think – and I think part of the problem is that we've been so spoiled with Joe Thomas at left tackle where it's just we knew going into the year that's a position you didn't have to worry about. You knew who was going to be there, and you knew what you were going to get from him. Now that we have transitioned and moved on from that, uh, the, the Hall of Famer, um, it, it's tough, man. It, it's, everything is going to be scrutinized. And, you know, I, I say he's been solid at best. He has potential. He shows flashes of what he can be. Um, you know, Coach Callahan has obviously been working with him and doing some things. I think a, a, a part of his downfall was the ankle injuries and some of the, the nagging injuries that he has. Um, you know, and, and of course, as, as fans, you know, you, you want someone who's going to be your left tackle that's going to dominate and, and solidify that position. I don't know if. Uh, he can be that guy. Um, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't really know him outside of, you know, watching him on, on film and watching him on games. I don't know how much work he's putting into it, if he's dedicating himself 100% to 
to the Browns and his, and working on his craft. Um, and, and I honestly, I don't doubt if the Browns take a look to see if there's an option out there for them to upgrade that position. Um, we'll, we'll see if that goes on as we get into free agency here. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard position, one, to get someone to go in there and dominate. And, and you know, you all of a sudden don't run in times where you, you get a Hall of Famer. Um, you, you know, your team has to be really bad to get that top guy in the draft. So, I mean, I, I really don't know, you know, which direction they're going to go. Um, a safe option to, to get him pretty cheap is, is to re-sign him and, and hopefully that he improves. But, you know, I feel like we're in a situation now where it's, you know, there's a lot of pressure on this team to win from some of the guys that we've paid and some of the guys that we might pick up for agency. He might not, you know, he might not be in the plans. Hey, I want to ask you about some other things around the NFL and and start with Russell Wilson because he's been in the news, obviously, a ton over the last really year as he was traded to to Denver. And now he's got a new head coach in Sean Payton. Uh, today, a big report comes out, like almost an expose from the Athletic, where uh, they claim that uh, he tried to get Pete Carroll and their GM fired back when he was in Seattle. And it's so funny because you hear all these players kind of like talk crap about Russell Wilson. I always thought he was like this, this sweetheart guy that just you know did everything for his teammates. But it seems like behind the scenes, maybe he can be a bit of a diva. Um, what do you make of those those comments, and do you believe it? Because he came out and, and, and refuted it and said, no, I, did, I didn't do that. But I don't know. I mean, it seems like you there's know, a, lot of, a lot of smoke. It, 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 like you, you know, you, you just always heard the good about Russell Wilson. You never heard of some of the stuff that may have been going on behind the scenes, or maybe Seattle, you know, they 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 hid that well and they and they, and they kept it in house. Um, you know, you, you you tend to see these things happen when one player goes to another team, and maybe those guys aren't gelling as they should be, or or, or winning games that they thought they should be, or, or you know, they ex- expected more from. I think the best thing that ever happened to Russell Wilson thus far is that Sean Payton is now his coach. If there's anybody can get him turned around and back on the right track, I believe it was Sean, Sean Payton. He came out and said earlier um, a couple weeks ago that I, I guess Russell Wilson has his own team of guys that he brings into facilities and things like that. And Sean Payton's like, listen, that's not happening here. We have all guys. This is going to be here. And, and we're not doing that. So, you know, it, it doesn't surprise me. There's probably some guys that did not like him or, you know, thought he was a little bit on the Hollywood status. You know, sometimes when, when you have as much success as Russell Wilson did early as a younger player, you, you know, you win a Super Bowl. And, and a lot of people credit that Super Bowl to that defense, which was a phenomenal defense. But, you know, the, they kind of give Russell Wilson all the credit. You know, they start to speak up about things that, that maybe been going on behind the scenes and, um, you know, there's always going to be that around the league, and you know it's tough because I always thought Russell was a good a, a good guy. You know, I played versus him in college; he was phenomenal, good athlete, good, good guy. But you know, sometimes things start to come out, and you know, you just got to live with it. Jason, uh, I took some flack from uh, another show on this station for buying some expensive tequila for uh, for a, a, a cabin weekend with my beautiful wife this last weekend. What's the most money you've ever spent on a bottle of liquor? Oh, geez. Well, on a, on a, so I've been out obviously to been to Vegas and all that, and 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 you know, as a young a young kid when I was playing. You know, you want to get a table and get a section, and everyone's drinking champagne. So, you know, you you, you want to try to keep up and, and look cool. So, I, I I think I spent about seven fifty on a bottle of champagne before. 
Um, it was so stupid because it was awful. <laughs> so 180 bucks for a bottle of tequila. Not bad, right? One time. Not bad. And listen, you're, you're, you're taking some time away. You're, you're spending time with your wife. You, 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 you know, I, I get it. You're going to get a nice bottle. Doesn't matter what it costs. And, and you, you had a good time. And you know what? At the end of the day, I like to say I'm in charge, but I know just as well as that my wife makes the decisions here. So, you know, you got you to gotta let them win sometimes. Yeah, I also didn't tell her how much it really cost, which is probably going to bite me in the ass at some point. Jason, great stuff, buddy. Great to hear from you. Thanks for the insight on Bubba. Thank you, guys. Have a good weekend, man. You too, buddy. Fresh off uh, a weekend, uh, I'm, uh, uh, some amount of time on vacation, the great Albert Breer of the MMQB joins us. Albert, welcome to the show, bud. It's sort of a vacation. I don't know. I mean, I was gone for like three, four days. And it, was great. it was great going up skiing and all that, but uh, anybody who's gone skiing with their kids knows um, there's the a worst. lot that goes into that. It's the worst. Did we have any good falls? Uh, yeah, you know what? Like my One thing I learned is like my younger son, like our middle one, he's six, and um, he fell a bunch, but like he was totally willing to go up on the blues with his older brother. Um, and up on the gondola there at the place that we were. So it went pretty high up. And, like, I was just like, you know, I didn't want to be up there. And then, you know, you get, like, a quarter of the way down, and he falls, and he doesn't want to ski anymore. Like, this dude, like, more so than his brother would back then, um, handled, every, handled, like, every fall like a champ. So Albert, where did you guys uh, go skiing at? Huh? Where did you guys go skiing? We went to Stowe. Where is that? So it's like about I, about a half hour from Burlington, way up there in Vermont. Like about oh, okay. I say I say like an hour or so south of the Canadian border. So it's pretty far up there. It's like it's one of the towns like here that has like it's got like a real like you know restaurant nightlife at night and mm-hmm. um, you know like it's one of the nicer places up here. Like it doesn't compare to like you know whatever Vale or yeah. or Big Sky or any of those. But uh, but 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 really good scheme for the Northeast. All right, I, we do. We have got a lot of football, obviously, to get to. But we, we, I, I took some flack for buying a relatively expensive bottle of tequila and taking it to my uh, uh, cabin weekend with my beautiful wife. And I was, I basically, my blue card, my blue collar card was was stripped from me by a fellow blue collar member of the station. So, how much? Uh, what What's like the most you're willing to spend on a good bottle of alcohol? I mean, I, like the most expensive stuff I got is gifts. You know what I mean? So I have those up. Like, uh, I don't know. I mean, like I've I've spent like on bottles of wine. I'll go to I'll I'll, I'll go well over a hundred. Um, I mean, I, I would spend if it's a great bottle of of liquor that I'll I'll have up on the uh, I'll have up I'll have up on the shelf. And I'm I remember I'm not like a collector like that. I don't know. Like I'd spend like three, four hundred bucks. All right, so that's double what I. That's more than double what I spent there. So I, I'm, I'm just trying are we, to. Now, are we talking retail at the grocery store? I mean, are we talking like, like about out of the, the restaurant? Like the most expensive stuff I have. Like I, I don't know if I've ever actually done it though. Like I, I'm saying I would do it. I don't think I've ever actually done. It. Like I've got a bottle of blue. Like I'm looking up my at uh you know our, our little bar area now. We got we got a bottle of Blue Label up there. So that, that's probably the nicest bottle up there right now. All right. All right. Um. I guess we should get to the football, Albert. Congrats since on your, all your success. I know. <laughs> I, I will say this. I will say this about that trip, though. Like, I, I, like one thing. I, I one thing where like age is totally creeped in is after like a full day of skiing with the kids. The last two nights, I was so exhausted. Like by eight, <laughs> nine o'clock, I was 
totally cashed. Like it was like like I had a few drinks and everything else with dinner, and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> I just need to go to bed. And I'm also a little more sore than I normally would be. So um, yeah, I guess that's just being in your 40s, you know. Yeah, vacations with kids also aren't vacations. They're amazing. They're yeah. you know some of the best memories you'll ever make. But you don't really relax the same way, Albert. Let's get. I would. I would also. I would also advise anybody. Like. I, like I'm complaining about it, but get your kids into skiing because it's like one of the things that kept me connected to my parents. And like it was, it's been. It was amazing being out there with the two boys. And you know, hopefully our daughter gets up out there soon too. Albert Breer of the MMQB on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. I. I have put this off long enough. We get to the football. Uh, a year or two from now. Um, is Bubba Ventrone going to be getting head coaching interest around the NFL if things work out here? I I think that's the idea. You know, I, I, I think one of the things that I, I think frustrated Bubba a little bit was that, you know, like it was sort of the idea of him being the interim coach there. It wasn't dismissed, but um, it wasn't as real a consideration, you know. And so I, I think if you're either a special teams coach or a defensive coach, you know, you have to be in this day and age because of the the, the obvious, um, you know, preference of most owners to hire offensive coaches to become head coaches. Um, that you you have to you have to be very very crafty, and you have to be strategic in the way you build up your resume. And a lot of it's going to come down to the amount of responsibility that you have within whatever building, um, you know, you're, you're you're working in. And you know, you look at like the special teams coaches, the two guys that have gotten shots, and really. You know, over the last, over the time, you know, that I've been covering the league, at least, it's John Harbaugh and Joe Judge. And if you look at the very end of their tenures in, in Philadelphia and New England, respectively, they took on an extra role. So John Harbaugh had been the, head, had been the special teams coach for almost a decade under Andy Reid, became the, spe, the secondary coach at the very end. Um, Joe Judge had been the special teams coach for Bill Belichick for, I think, five or six years, and then at the very end became the receivers coach. So... You know, I think that that's a big piece of it. Like, you know, I think, you know, Bubba's got a very – Bubba's ambitious, played in the league, um, and I think he wants a shot at some at running his own show sometime, at some point. And, uh, you know, the best way to do that, I think, for any special teams coach is to add responsibility. And I think the assistant head coach title does that and kind of, you know, at least creates the impression that he's continuing to be upwardly mobile. Albert, I want to ask you one other thing about about um, Bubba Ventrone. You know, they fired Prefer like kind of late. Was yeah. was the, were they letting Prefer like look for a job because um, they kind of knew they were going to let him go, and then he couldn't find a job, so then they just fired him. Like, how did that whole process well, uh, go about? Yeah, I think part of it was like the opportunity to go and hire Bubba too. You know what I mean? Like, and sometimes it takes a while for those things to to materialize. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I think that that was definitely a part of this. Like there were a group of coaches in Arizona and a group of coaches in Indianapolis that, because of the timing of those hires and because those guys, those teams hired Super Bowl coordinators, um, those guys were blocked for almost a month. You know, like um, you know, in, in Indianapolis it was Gus Bradley, and it looks like that's going to work out for him um, there. You know, and then in Arizona it was Jeff Rogers, their special teams coordinator, was Vance Joseph, who had to go find a job after this. And he was, you know, lucky enough that some other searches were going a little slower and that allowed him to land the job in Denver. Um, I just think because of the, 
the timing of um, the, 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 some of the hires, it slowed down um, to a crawl almost, the hiring process at some other positions and really put some guys in tough situations where those guys were blocked from leaving where they were um, and weren't let go until late. So I think that that's really what that was about, was the opportunity to go and hire Bubba Ventrone didn't materialize until late because the Colts search dragged on and on and on. And that opportunity comes up and, you know, I'm, I'm sure to some degree they were letting Prefer look around a little bit. Um, you know, that opportunity comes up, and obviously, you know, Kevin Stefanski sees it as something he can't pass up. Albert Breer of the MMQB on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. Uh, the XFL just started up there, and, you know, a lot has been made of uh, whether it's the extra point rule, whether it's uh, Dean Blandino mm-hmm. and access. When you look at kind of the XFL previously, that each time they have led to, to rule changes or different implementations yep. that have helped the NFL. What are the rules or new ideas that the NFL might be most likely to adopt that the XFL is trying out this year? I'd say the fourth down rule, like the, the onside kick fourth down rule is something that they've really looked at. Um, now you can look at this two ways, right? Like well, on one side, they've been looking to take dangerous special teams plays out of the game forever. I don't think it's any secret that they've been trying to eliminate the kickoff. Um, and, you know, so I think because of the players, player health and safety element of this, um, and quite frankly, because of what it means for team economics too, um, you know, I think the idea of taking a taking the onside kick out of the game appeals to certain owners. The flip side of it is, you know, there are people who believe that, um, you know, like the, the special teams aspects of the game, that's what football is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so – if you're taking like a uh, the, the onside kick out of it and creating whatever, I think it would be like a fourth and 15 or fourth and 18 play, right? Um, you take that out of it. Well, you know, now you're on a slippery slope where you're trying to, you know, where you may be uh, trying to eliminate the kicking game altogether, which, you know, is, you know, goes back, you know, as far as, as football has existed. So those are the two sides of the argument, but I would say, you know, when you look at the player health and safety stuff and you look at where the momentum has been going on the kickoff forever, um, you know, my feeling is that would be the one that they would really look at. And what's fascinating about it, guys, you know, I can tell you this. Like, I, I knowing some people who are working in the XFL now, you know, I know when Dwayne Johnson's talked to them, um, you know, he's really kind of emphasized that they want to be sort of a feeder system for the NFL. Like, they want to work in cooperation with the NFL. They're not going to fight the NFL for eyeballs. Um you know, and this could be one way to do it is, you know, like you sort of become the test kitchen, you know, for the NFL where you try out different rules at that level and you sort of see what works and what doesn't and whatever works maybe graduates to the NFL level. It's it's an interesting way of running a league for sure. Hey, one thing I love about the XFL, and I haven't watched a lot of it, but was, you know, the transparency of the re- the replay review center. I thought yeah. that was really cool. And I think if the NFL did that, people would, would have a much better feeling for what's going on and what the refs are actually looking at. Is that something yeah. you think they could adopt? And, and, and obviously the <laughs> the efficiency of the of the replays is uh, really, really quick. I'm with you, Dustin. I love like that sort of thing. I wouldn't hold your breath. I mean, if they're not even making the official available to more than one reporter after he screws up something royally in a game, like the idea that all of a sudden they're going to you know, open the, they're going to give us the keys to the castle and let us see everything seems like um, seems pretty unlikely, you know. And I and I think that there's that element of it too, where you know you have a serious situation like the Demar Hamlin situation, 
um, and knowing what happened behind the scenes and having kind of an idea of, I mean, like to put it frankly, how, how ugly some of that stuff got in the background um, that the public never really learned about. Um, you know, I would, I would, I would tend to think that there's some stuff that hap- that's happening behind the scenes on the day to day, you know, with the officiating and, and stuff being handled in New York and up in the booth that the NFL doesn't want any part of letting anyone see. Albert, do you think we could ever get to a point? I know the XFL wants to be kind of a developmental league for the NFL. Do you think we yep. could ever see a talent exchange kind of similar to like the NFL Europe, what they were 25 years ago? That'd be fantastic. You know, I, I really think like if you talk to like the Kurt Warners and the, the Adam Vinatieri's of the world and, and guys who I, you know, really benefited from playing over there. Um, there's, I mean, a, a real like talent development, um, you know, benefit to that. And there's an issue, you know, in that area in the NFL too. Um, and Dustin, you can probably speak to this, but you know, it used to be that, you know, when you had your guys who were depth on the team, like that were whatever the fifth corner or the fifth receiver or the fourth offensive tackle who weren't getting a lot of reps during the season, those guys were getting all their work in the spring and summer. But now with the rules and how things have been pared down, it's become harder and harder and harder to develop those guys. So I think having the outlet to develop those guys in another league would be fantastic and awesome. Um, you know, and I think some of the smarter teams, you know, Philadelphia is one, have actually considered ways to do this where they're creatively developing the bottom of their roster in different ways. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think that would be great. I don't know if the NFL would do it because I think it would probably, you know, uh, involve them, you know, putting some sort of investment back into the, into another league and, you know, based on how these owners operate, I, I that's again, like maybe not something I would hold my breath waiting for. Um, but I think it would be phenomenal for the game. And I think it would, uh, it, it would help every team, you know, cause every team would be able to develop the 40th, 45th, 50th guy in the roster way more efficiently than they're able to do right now. Albert, looking to a couple of quarterback situations around the NFL real quick. A lot of reports about Lamar Jackson. Uh, we're in the tag window here. If Baltimore does give the non-exclusive tag, which would allow other teams to negotiate, do you think that there are teams out there that would be willing to give Lamar the kind of money he's seeking? Yeah, because history tells us that 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 that, that any quarterback who's starting caliber, you know, a good starting quarterback in the league, is going to command that, you know, much less, uh, you know, a, a guy who's won an MVP before. So yeah, there's the injury concerns, and I think that those are real. The fact that he couldn't finish the last two seasons is, you know, would be problematic and something you'd have to consider. Um, you know, but I, I think you know what what would win the day here. Um, is you know the, the the environment in the league and the environment that everybody has to operate in. If you're a team in the AFC right now, and this is sort of the explainer on why the Browns threw Baker Mayfield overboard to go get Deshaun Watson. Like, just think about this: for the next two ten years, like it's not just going to be be pulling one upset in the playoffs, then you get to the Super Bowl. In the AFC, for the next ten years, you're going to have to go through some some combination of Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence just to get into the Super Bowl, you know? And so how do you, how, how do you, how, how do you get into that club? You go and try to get somebody who can measure up with that group, you know? And so um, I think because of that element, like Lamar is, Lamar is plenty good enough to say, yeah, you know, if we can keep him healthy, 
um, and we can get him going, we can build an offense for him, then he is the type of quarterback who could give us a shot to be able to beat those sorts of quarterbacks consecutively. And uh, so, like, yeah, I, I think that there's no question about it, like that if he gets, you know, the non-exclusive tag, someone is going to sit there and say it is worth it to put, they say, a four-year, $200 million, fully guaranteed deal forward for him knowing, you know, if, if the Ravens don't match, we're also going to have to give up two first-round picks to get him. Albert, we, we this one's a, a quick hitter, but now that Aaron Rodgers is out of uh, his darkness retreat, how quickly <laughs> is this situation in Green Bay? How quickly should we expect that to play out? Yeah, I think everybody's cognizant of um, what the calendar says, and you know, we're I think it's three weeks away from the beginning of free agency, and the combine starts on Monday, which you know everybody doesn't know out there. It's not just college guys running around in, in spandex. It's sort of the NFL's version of the winter meetings where everybody's in one place at one time. And so, you know, I think, you know, Aaron Rodgers is cognizant of the amount of business that gets done in Indianapolis next week. I think the Packers are cognizant of, you know, the, the, the ability to trade him, um, you know, and get the most back for him. The best time to do it would be ahead of the combine. So, you know, there aren't teams that have made other plans. So, um, my guess would be we'll, we'll know sooner rather than later. My guess is we find out via the Pat McAfee show. And um, so, I, I don't know, Was he, usually he's on, on Tuesdays on McAfee, right? I, yeah. I, I, if, I had to, if I had to guess, I would say maybe next Tuesday we find out what he's going to do. Albert, great stuff, buddy. We got to run, but uh, enjoy the rest of your, uh, your, your, your trip home, and we sure appreciate your time, bud. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Listen, I know we're not in Indianapolis. I thought that first part, you've got Bubba Ventrone on your staff, mm -hmm. and you're going to go make a call to Jeff Saturday to be your interim head coach. Unless you're tanking, how insulting does that have to be? With all due love and respect to Jeff Saturday, but how insulting is that to the coaches on your staff when you do that? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure Bubba Ventrone was probably thinking, this is BS, man. I should be getting a look at this, and he doesn't, but again, I mean, I don't know what Bubba, uh, Bubba Ventrone's. Uh, it's so hard to say that, by the way. Uh, I don't know what Bubba Ventrone's relationship is. Try with, saying with Jeff Raymond. Saturday. Try and say Ray Bubba Ventrone. It's even tougher. Ray Bubba Ventrone. Well, Ray times. Bubba Ventrone. Ray Bubba Ventrone. Ray Bubba Ventrone. Ray Bubba. Ventrone. Yep. <laughs> Can't yep. do it. It's tough. The third one's really tough. But damn it, you tried, and I'm a pro I'm proud and appreciative that you tried. Thank you. But getting to the other part of that. Um, yeah, I just, the more that we've come away from it, and listen, they're not going to be like, oh, well, here are the three reasons why uh, Bubba Ventrone hasn't gotten a head coaching job yet. The more I've thought about it, it's still it's still a special teams coach hire. It's This isn't going to be the make or break of Kevin Stefanski, but just uh, the more I feel like I can, I can almost breathe a little bit easier because Kevin Stefanski has made two quality hires. Are they great? I don't know. I just don't feel like there's a lot of risk in the hires that he made, and I, that just allows me to feel a little bit better because from now, okay, you aced, I don't want to say easier, but you aced kind of two important moves. Now let's see what you can do with the rest of the offseason. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the whole thing is now that you've got two moves made that you feel pretty good about, what's next? Like now that we've made these coaching hires, what's the next move, Nicholas? Um, I mean, it, it feels like if it's not in free agency, wouldn't it feel like a trade? 
because of the way this is going to set up. Or or like if a veteran, like a Michael Brockers just got released. Somebody, you know, either somebody that gets released uh, from their contract before ahead of free agency or a trade. Those feel like the next move outside of some ancillary coaching news from the Browns. Like, I, I don't think you're, if, if there's going to be a front office reworking, and that happens usually in the summer. That All right. And I don't think there will be, by the way. But I'm just saying. By the like, way, d- does Bobby Wagner have anything left in the tank? His stats looked good last year, but I don't know. I think I just think because I've seen a lot of people fall in love with the idea of Bobby, and I can't remember was it a caller with Spencer last night that was like, "We got to get Bobby Wagner, bring back Anthony Walker, and bring back Reggie Ragland." It's like you <laughs> can only have one starting Mike linebacker. You're not going to move one of those guys out of the Mike spot. Um, so I think it would be like, well, okay, do you want 27-year-old Anthony Walker coming off an ACL or do you want 35-year-old Bobby Wagner who might have a year or two left in the tank if 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 you're lucky? Well, I mean, it's not like it's just a year or two. It's like can you get somebody who can come here who's got championship caliber um you know, experience and pedigree and veteran leadership, because the, the, the Browns need that. I mean, they don't; they haven't had that on their their defense in a long time. No, I think that's fair. I'd still, I'd rather find somebody, maybe another linebacker, maybe a safety. I'd rather somebody like that than replacing Anthony Walker, because I think you might be able to get Anthony on a more affordable deal as well. Remember, last year Bobby signed a five-year, thirty-five million dollar contract. I would imagine he's not going to be playing on the vet men this year. You might be able to get Anthony a little cheaper. For how much? $2 million. Okay, fine. I, I don't know about that, by the way. I just bought <laughs> yeah. $4 million, $5 million? Um, Whatever. Not I do, my money. I do think that you point out something. All offseason, every time there's a name available, we're going to be asking should they do it. Whether it's a good idea. We already did with this with Nuke Hopkins. Every time it's gonna be like uh, Mike Evans available for trade. Should we? Um, who? Oh, well, there was some older player that I just thought of. Oh, Akeem Hicks, who I can't remember who he played for last year. Akeem Hicks. Should we get Akeem Hicks? And it's funny because those veterans sometimes like they'll be like Calais Campbell, who got released in Jacksonville and has spent like the last two or three years just kicking ass in Baltimore. Sometimes it's those guys. Other times it's like. Gosh, who are the guys that fit that mold? Like the guys who were a year past their prime in Cleveland. I feel like the first like 10 years back, I feel like we had like a guy like that every year, like a Lomas Brown or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's every, you're right, though. I mean, every time, you know, Twitter goes nuts about somebody getting cut or somebody on the chopping block or somebody going to get traded, it's like, well, we can the Browns make a move? I mean,. We need a few pieces. We don't need every veteran that's got a big name that was good five years ago, right? Yeah, and you also, you know, you mentioned we need we need some guys with Super Bowl experience. Mm-hmm. I also think you have to make sure, like, I think there's a difference between this guy was responsible for the culture and this guy just played well in that culture. And I'm not saying that's who Bobby is, by the way. I don't know. I've always heard he's a huge part of their culture. I'm just saying, like, that's – I think what Andrew Barry has done worst – is figuring out the chemistry in the locker room. I think he knows talent, but I don't know he's fit the best locker rooms together, and I think that's the big challenge for him. Can he give Kevin Stefanski a locker room that's ready to compete and win this year? I think it's easy to find the talent. There's always talent in the NFL, but now can you find the right guys in the locker room? 